Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi Strawberry slid right into my Taste Buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. What's up, fam? Welcome back to the Whoa, That's Good podcast. Today, we have a very special guest. I am so excited. I got um, the honor of meeting her years ago, and we live a little bit far away, so that was actually an honor, and I'm very excited to say that she's a friend now, and now she's on the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Charlotte Gamble. Hey, hello friends. So good to be with you all the way from the UK. (laughs) All the way from the UK. So I never know exactly where you are because sometimes you're in like seaside, my favorite place. Sometimes you're in the UK, another one of my favorite places. You're always bouncing around in some good spots. Um, But (laughs) I I love it. So you and your husband pastor a church, Life Church in the UK. You also are a teaching um, pastor at Highlands and you've done stuff here in the States. You and your friend Natalie do so much together, including writing this new book, which I'm excited to talk about. Um, So you've done so much. You also have two amazing, beautiful kids. And um, your marriage is such a, uh, as I was, you know, looking at your Instagram, preparing for this podcast, your marriage is such a great inspiration for me and Christian, Mm -hmm. um, just because we love to look up to people who are doing ministry and um, love each other and love their family and love their kids. And we're constantly looking for that mentorship in a sense. And so uh, y'all are great examples for us, but I'm excited to get to talk more about your life. Before we get into all the things, I have to ask you the question of the Whoa, That's Good podcast. What is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? I think there's lots of pieces of advice we're all given, right? But I think the one that is the continual theme that I choose to stick to is really simple. And that is let your life be led by generosity. Mm. Like you'll never, ever go wrong if you're the one that's generous, generous in your comments, generous in your actions, generous in the way you respond in situations where people are unkind to you. I think generosity, the Bible says it opens the pathway, it puts you in the presence of rulers. I think someone that is generous with their smile, generous with their energy, generous with their wisdom, I think generosity is a huge gift. And so I think lead your life with generosity at the front of it. I think you always, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets small and smaller. So I think that's great advice that I've tried to instill into my kids as well, because it it stood me well all the years of my growing up. Wow. That's so good. I love that. And I can see like you live that out so beautifully. In fact, I remember back whenever we met, we were um, at this really cool event. It was at the Royal Albert Hall in London. 
London and it was um, a pretty big deal. And I remember seeing you and thinking you were so amazing and you're so cool. And I love the word that you spoke on and which we'll talk about later. And um, I kind of get intimidated by people, which I don't think people realize about me because I'm I appear very extroverted and I am, but I can get shy or like intimidated. And so I was like, probably not even going to say anything. I was probably just going to be like, hi, but you were so sweet and like came over and spoke into my life and talked to me. And it was so generous. And I think so many times, like just in our society, like there's this temptation or maybe it's out of insecurity, even not even temptation to be cool or to, you know, be like Mm -hmm. intimidating. And like that actually helps no one. And whenever you live generously, it opens the door to friendships and you have so many amazing friends. And that is something that like, if you look at your life, it's a testimony to who you are. And Mm -hmm. I can tell it's from how generous you are. So that's really cool that you said that. Um, You and Natalie just wrote a book called Dare to Be. And it's so good and it's such a great um I was reading through it and I love how there's spaces where you can write in and there's it's like it's Mm -hmm. something that you actually are doing with y'all it says God is able but are you willing so tell me a little bit about this message and why you and Natalie decided to team up and do this together well the story of how Nat and I met is just one of those God stories that you like you know it, it needed to be recorded like we knew it we journaled it but you realize that when God brought our lives together the story around that was something that we'd always thought someday we'd tell we'd always do at our events when we do ministry together we would do like a Q&A and the most common question would always be you know how did you guys meet because obviously I'm from the UK she's from the USA and and so we always would answer and when we'd answer people would be stunned at the answer we would give and and I'll, I'll abbreviate it for those that now are like well how did you meet um because I was just in California like I think 17 years ago now um going to be speaking at a conference but wasn't speaking that night I just landed was kind of tired but decided to go to the event anyway that night had no idea who the other speakers were or who was involved and as I was sat in the worship with stood up with my arms raised I heard an audible voice And the voice was a male voice. And I heard the voice say, turn around the girl at the back of the auditorium in the orange sweater and jeans is to do with your future. And it freaked me out. I thought someone had come and stood next to me. And so I said to the person that was traveling with me, can you just turn around and tell me, is there someone at the back of this auditorium in an orange sweater and jeans? And they were like, yes, there is. How did you know? I'm like, don't ask. I have no idea what's going on. We sit down and then the worship, uh, the worship ends and the pastor of the church leans forward and says, hey, I wonder if you could, you know, take the offering. I know you're not speaking, but you're here. And I was like, okay. Oh, and while you take the offering, could you introduce the guest singer that's going to sing whilst we take the offering? So I was like, well, I don't know who it is. I've never heard of her. And he says, okay, just read the bio out. So I get on the stage and I begin to read the bio out. And as I'm reading the bio out, the girl in the orange sweater and jeans starts walking forward. And I begin to say her name, which was Natalie Grant, who I'd never heard of before. And as I say her name, I start prophesying over her. She starts crying. I start crying. We have this awkward hug in front of all these people. And that was the beginning of our journey. And so when we tell the story, you're like, okay, wow, like big God moment. But what we began to realize is actually there was a lot of small moments that led to the big moment. And those small moments, had we not paid attention to them, we would have missed the big moments. In other words, I could have stayed at the hotel because I was tired. 
Yeah. I wasn't speaking that night. I didn't need to be there. I could have said no to taking the offering, which yeah. meant I wouldn't have got up and I wouldn't have introduced the guest speaker. She was in the worship at the back, which she could have stayed on the tar bus and just come on for her song. There were so many small parts where we've realized, man, it was our obedience that was the daring of those small steps that actually makes the big steps more accessible. Wow. And so the, the word from God was a very pivotal moment, but the obedience to dare to do all the other stuff is often what we rush past. Wow. And so we began to record the journey of how we became friends. And, you know, honestly, the book goes through each chapter of what we've had to dare to do. We had to dare to be real with each other. And, you know, and the first conversation I had with her was after that moment. And she was like, what do you want from me? And I suddenly realized, man, she is so used to people wanting something from her. Hmm. She's so burnt out by people wanting her for a gift. And I think she just got tired of wow. that. And I realized in that moment, I don't want anything from you. I, I don't even know what this is about. And that was the beginning of a restoration for her in trusting someone in a part of her life where she'd stopped trusting. Wow. And then I said, well, I don't, I don't have anything to offer you. You could come to England and visit me. And so she's like, I'm going to. That was her dare to go. And she tells me, wow. you know, told me afterwards, I got on a plane with my husband to meet this complete stranger. And I said to my husband, she might be completely men mad, you know, like crazy. <laughs> and if she is, we'll just go to London and visit. And so every part of the story was that dare. And then, you know, I took her shopping because what do you do when you're making friends? You go shopping. That's right. and, and, and she's in the changing room for ages. And this is all in the book. Uh, and I'm, and I'm uh, like, I feel like I should go and say, you okay? And so I knock on the door. She's like, yeah, I'm fine. And then I just feel the Holy Spirit go, she's not fine. And so I knock further on the door and I'm like, uh, I'm coming in. Like, who does that? Wow. And I walk in and she's got needles and vials there and she's freaking out and she's crying and she begins to explain to me that they're doing fertility treatment that the clock's gone on her alarm that this is the first shot she's ever given herself she's freaking out she's in wow. england and i walk in i go well just so you know i've just done five years of fertility treatment wow. and i gave her a first shot so wow. from every part of our friendship the story in the book is not just about ministry it's about daring to be real Wow. daring to allow someone into that spot in your life and then the ministry that we do together which is now dare to be which is her singing a leading worship me preaching that came years down the line yeah. and I think sometimes people can look at people on platforms like yourself like myself like in that and go oh you know it's just God just threw it together and no it was a journey and yeah. a lot of small dares of being obedient and yeah. um, that's what the book really journals wow it's beautiful your story is so <laughs> So cool. I know when I was reading it, I was like, my mouth is like dropped on the floor because, you know, people can hear something like that at the beginning and be like, oh, I don't know if that's real. But then it's like, but it was real. Like you can't right. deny that it was, it was God right. because of everything that happened. Right. And there was a quote that you said, and you talked about like your once upon a time God moments. And I, I thought that was such mm -hmm. a great way to phrase it. And you said, we can miss moments because we want more information. So many times right. I feel like we hear like a whisper from God and we're like, well, all right, like I'll I'll do that. I'll step out. I'll dare whenever I hear a little bit more about what's going on. But when you read the Bible, right. like he didn't give them the information. He just said, go. And so what does that look like for you in learning to trust the voice of God? Have you always been like you hear it, you do it? Or was that a journey for you in trusting God's voice? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. 
Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. I think it's a good question. I think learning to hear the voice of God is a journey everybody has to go on individually. I think we we learn, don't we, to hear the voice of God through maybe our local pastor or someone who preaches or teaches. That's kind of our beginning into it. And if we don't quickly move ourselves off that, then we 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 can only then hear God through other people. But God wants to speak to you because you're his kid. And mm. God doesn't want to speak to just one kid. He wants to speak to all his kids. So how God speaks to you is, is unique to you, just like how I speak to my son is different than how I speak to my daughter. You know, he wants yeah. to talk about his rugby match. My daughter doesn't care about the rugby match. So <laughs> you have to learn, you know, how they communicate. And so, and so I think that's a journey. But what I would say that we can all do is that, that you can hear someone you can hear someone better when you change your proximity, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I think a lot of people don't alter their proximity to God. And so and so if you spend time in his presence, if you linger around his word, if you spend time in prayer and thinking about the things of God, you're increasing your closeness to him. You're drawing near to him, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. Mm-hmm. That that changes your proximity. It makes you aware of, of God in your everyday life. If you've got worship music in your kitchen and if you're talking about the things of God with your children and if you're reading the word of God in at the night or reading it in the morning or wherever, if you're talking to God in your car, you're increasing the right. proximity that you're placing. Not that he's far from you, but you're moving toward him and out of the noise of everything else. And I think yeah. a lot of people don't understand that that's simply all you have to do. Like, you know, um, in the Bible, there's a story about um, the older prophet Samuel. Um, sorry, the younger, the younger trainee uh, Samuel and the older prophet Eli. And there's just this passage where, where Samuel is, it says he's laying down in his usual place. Mm. But it says that um, says Eli's laying down his usual place and Samuel is at the altar, at the, at the place of, you know, meeting of God. And so Samuel, as he's laying down at the altar, he keeps hearing his name being called and he keeps going to Eli, who's laying down in his usual place and saying, you call me. And Eli's, no, no, I didn't call you. And he goes back and it happens again. It happens again. And eventually Samuel realizes and Eli realizes, no, it's God calling him. But look at the position. The older man had gone into his usual place, which means he was away from the proximity that in those times was where you heard from God. But Uh, the young man had positioned himself when he went to sleep in a place where he was close to what represented the the proximity to talk to God. And I think a lot uh, of us get in our usual place. We just get into routines and our work and our kids and our shopping and our office job. And we forget, no, you've got to at some point shift your proximity so that 
that you are ready to hear what God wants to say. And that might mean stilling your heart, stilling your mind. And so I think sometimes we think it's hard to hear from God, but it's just actually we're making it harder on ourselves because we're not creating the space. Wow, that's so good. That's such good advice. And it's so when I hear you say it, it's so practical, you know, it's just Mm -hmm. get in the space with God. And when you think about hearing someone, it's like, well, yeah, of course you have to get in the space to hear them. If you're not in the room, you're not going to hear the person speaking in the room. And so that's such good advice. Um, This is um, kind of funny because this is about not having proximity, but I think people might hear a story of a friendship like you and Natalie of 17 years and like, Mm -hmm. and y'all are so close and it's such a healthy friendship and it's such a good bond. And like you live in the UK and she lives in, you know, Tennessee and people are like, my friend lives down the street and I can't even keep up with the friendship. So like, what is your advice and how have you seen you and Natalie, um, you know, steward y'all's friendship well to where you are 17 years in and still close? and still love each other and still, you know, actually have a relationship strong enough that you would even write a book? Like, how do you keep a friendship like that? I think the key is um, expectation. I think, Mm. you know, I think sometimes, you know, when I say I'm going to be your friend, in my mind, I have an expectation of what that looks like and vice versa in your mind, right? And so you've got to agree on the expectation. So if someone wants to be my friend, but they want me to be at every birthday party, they want me to meet them every Tuesday for coffee, they want me to answer the text as soon as it lands, they want, you know, like if that's their expectation, I'm going to be a terrible friend, right? <laughs> and so yeah. I have to be upfront about that. Like, like I, I love you and I am so here for you whenever you need me. But I don't need, I don't need to be needed by you. Right. Like, like I don't, I don't, if you need me to fulfill some spaces in your life that I know full well, I can't fulfill. Mm -hmm. And actually probably nobody that is a friend could really fulfill because probably God just needs to fulfill that. I think it's a conversation. I think it's an, like, so for me, like we can pick up like that, you know, I can pick up the phone. We pick up as if we were in the house together for the last week and and it can be weeks and then sometimes it can be we speak to each other you know a couple of times in the week it doesn't matter because we both know we have busy lives and we both are secure in our friendship I think if you're jealous or you're envious or you don't like that your friend spends more time with that person than you then then it's not going to work and I think it's to do with being secure and I think it's to do with actually just releasing one another to do what is on your life to do. Nat's got a call on her life. I've got a call on my life. And by the grace of God, those two things get to come together at certain seasons of our life. And then we spend three weeks on the tour bus together and we're like, I'm so ready to not be on a tour bus with you. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. It works. It just works. It's kind of like in a marriage. You've got to know the expectation up front, right? Otherwise, you're going to be disappointed all the time. You're going to be holding him to a level that you've not even communicated so he's always failing you because he doesn't know that that was the expectation you had in your head so I think it's just the same in a healthy friendship that is so good I love that I heard a pastor say one time expectation without communication results in frustration and that is so true that is always the result and it's so true in friendship too I love that um one thing you talked about in the book that I thought was really good is how important the supportive role is and I think so many people underestimate the supportive role in a story and so can you expand a little bit on on that concept 
Yeah, I think we've all put the emphasis. So I think maybe not all of us, but I think the world does, right? You know it from your background with television and different stuff you've done. Everybody's looking for the for the person that's going to be the billboard person or the, the, the hot ticket person. And, and we've all seen that. And so if we allow the world to shape our thinking, we think that then to be important, you have to be that. Yeah. Right. And so we get our eyes on something that actually very few people are equipped to handle, have the capacity to deal with actually the pressure that goes with that. And actually, if they got it, they'd realize it's not all that. Right. Yeah. But actually, much more of us are gifted in coming alongside. Right. And that Mm -hmm. is a gift that that the world doesn't celebrate because you're not the top person. But the Bible celebrates a lot. The Bible you know, Jesus had the disciples, you know, um, Adam was no good on his own. He needed Eve, you know, everybody mm. needs those people. Moses was like, I can't do this on my own. I need someone that's going to help me speak. God's like, okay, yeah. let's him have Aaron. You know, David, um, Saul was not uh, going to be a friend to him, but Jonathan was, and Jonathan right. was going to help him get where he needed to go. Ruth and Naomi, you know, you go through your Bible cool. and you're going to find that combination is all the time working together. And I think if we could realize, and this is the thing, what you've got to realize is if you are going to be a support role, whatever their win is, is your win. Hmm, that's good. And so, and so like being on a team, you know, if I didn't score the goal on the, uh, on, on the team, but right. I'm on the team, I did score the goal because I yeah. set up whoever it was to get the ball to defend so the ball went in the net so it doesn't matter who put it in the net we all put it in the net because we're on the same team whereas our world says well I want to be the one that's known for putting the ball in the net well then you're probably not going to score very often and you're probably going to have success maybe one time and then you're going to have after that you know you're going to have that up and then you're going to have the down whereas if you realize I get to help a lot of people put a lot of balls in the net you'll always be employed (laughs) you'll always have something to do you'll always be in demand because you know one of my greatest joys right now is I'm helping a lot of churches and leaders and pastors and 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 they're out there scoring goals but I know I'm behind the scenes I'm one-on-one I'm getting to help them which means when they win I win And I think if we could see it that way, we'd all stop fighting for some limelight that doesn't do any of us any favors. And actually, we'd all find that actually our greatest calling is helping other people win. It's great. I love that so much. I think about whenever I used to do track in my high school and track is such a beautiful sport because it's a team sport, even though you compete individually, which I think is such a picture of the kingdom. Like everyone competes individually in their activity, but all the points that you gain individually go into your team's point system. So everyone has to do their part. Well, there was one time and I've told this story several times. It's very embarrassing, but I was not a runner. Like I still am not a runner. I am so bad at running, which I know you run. And I saw that you run like (laughs) six miles a day. And that is so impressive. I am not that person. So I, I was a thrower. I always did like activity parts and one day my coach was like, it was like regionals and he was like, we need someone to run the two mile. Well, I did not like heroically volunteer myself in this moment. I was actually just going to tap out on this one. Well, he of course picked me to do it. And I was like, oh, this is terrible. And 
honestly, it was the most embarrassing moment <laughs> ever. I got overlapped by every single person. It was terrible. However, the reason I did it is because there was so few people signed up for the event that even if I just finished, we would get a point for our team. And so right. I finished and we got a point for our team. And that year we ended up winning state and I got a state ring and I didn't win the two mile and heroically show everyone right. how awesome I was. I just was in the race and I got to be a part of the victory. And so what you're saying is so true. Like if we just yeah. are a part, if we just get to be a I part. I mean, you get to be a part of something that's so much better so than much the one bigger. thing you could do on your own. You yes. know, think about, you know, think about Mary and, uh, you know, like, okay, she got to carry the savior. Like, right. you know what I'm saying? Like, think about, you know, we think about Moses, don't we? We think about, we think about how Moses was amazing and Moses parted the sea and, and Moses was a deliverer. Mm-hmm. Well, someone had to deliver the deliverer yeah. without, yeah. without the midwives that risked their life to yeah. deliver him when it was a time when boys were supposed to be killed at birth. Wow. You know, they mm-hmm. were part, they, the deliverers delivered the deliverer. And then think about his mom who had to let him go and think about the sister that put him in the basket and think about Pharaoh's daughter that brought him out of the water without wow. everybody playing their part. He doesn't get to be the deliverer. Yeah. So you remove all the people out of the supporting roles. You're saying that Moses has to deliver himself, get himself in a basket, get wow. himself into bed. Like, you know, so you have to realize that the joy of being part of the miracle is you don't know what, part you're touching you just yeah. know you're touching a part of it and that's a really wow. cool thing that that's you get so to see good. and sometimes you get to part water and sometimes you get to go man I helped that person part the water um one thing that I saw you do during the pandemic that I thought was so inspirational is you did the today I choose and you kept going on and you kept choosing and you kept leading people in that so encourage us today with what that looks like to choose today um dot 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 yeah I did you know in the pandemic we were so locked down over here for much longer than America um and so you know we were like I think a few weeks in realizing it was going to be months and months and you know I couldn't travel and a lot of things that I would normally do go and preach and teach suddenly stopped and so for me I was like well I get a little holiday a little vacation (laughs) and I and and, you know we all went into that moment didn't we we were like well life looks different I can't do anything about it and I felt God say, no, you have to choose. Like right wow. there and then, like right at the beginning, I felt God say, no, you choose. You can't choose the circumstance, but you can choose what you do with the circumstance. Right, yeah. And there was a scripture, and I can't remember where it is because it was such a remote scripture, and I read it on this particular day, and it was just relevant to that moment. And it said something like, you know, um, you know, there was a moment when you could have pulled the covers. The message Bible says, pull the covers over your head and say, I'm going to sleep a little longer, but instead get out of bed and attend your ear and I will speak. And I felt God say, you can pull the covers over your head or you can get out of bed and attend your ear and I will speak. So I just committed to get up in the morning. I had no clue if anyone would watch it. I got my iPhone out. I just recorded myself. I did like 10 minutes a day, every day, thinking that, you know, we'd be out of lockdown in like two weeks, like just 14 thoughts, 10 minutes, it'll all be good. (laughs) I'm still going like 12 months later, like, like, you know, number day 100 and whatever it was, I was like, man, like, okay, I need to like slow this thing down. But it just, I just was trying to remind people every day. I know you think, that you lost your job and so you have no choice. But you have your choice how you respond to the fact you lost your job. You do still have your choice 
of whether you'll be anxious or whether you'll trust. You have choice whether it's fear or faith. You have choice whether it's forgiveness or holding on to resentment. You have choice whether you're going to praise God today or panic today. We Mm -hmm. every day have the choice. You have the choice in how you respond to what's said. You have the choice to be quiet or, you know. And so that's what I was trying to remind people of every day, which led to these thousands and then millions of views. And then I ended up writing a book called Today I Choose to kind of sign the thing off. Come on, that's <laughs> but awesome. But I do think we need reminding, right? We need yes. reminding, um, especially in seasons that are difficult, that you might not be in control, but you do have a choice. Yes, that is so good. I love that. And that commitment that you had is so beautiful. I love how like you committed to that and you did that every day for months and months and months. And also, like I did actually, I kind of mentioned this a minute ago, but I did read that you run like a lot, like every day. And so you seem like a pretty disciplined person. Where does that discipline come from? And how have you seen that impact your life in a, um, in a good way? Yeah, I think I am. I'm one of those people, if I say I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. And then I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. I love that. Um, And I just think, I just think, you know, I think that's just the spirit of Christ. Mm -hmm. I just think that actually the essence of who God is, is he is excellent. Mm -hmm. He is, you know, noble. He is honorable. He is praiseworthy. He is faithful. Um, He is patient. You know, he's all those things. And the Bible talks a lot about living a life that reflects the heart of who God is, not just, you know, the stuff that we enjoy. Like, yes, I know he's hope and I know he's all those other things when you need him. But also there's there's a lot of passages in the Bible about being a diligent steward with your talent, about working hard. You know, one of the verses that shaped my life early on was the proverb and it just paints a picture and it says there was a guy and he was given a vineyard. And, you know, and it says just a little sleep, just a little slumber and just a little folding of the arms and poverty came upon him and the walls were down in ruins. Mm. And it just it paints this picture. Well, the truth is that the vineyard had the potential for a business, for an income, for a place of provision, for produce, for the neighborhood that he represented. And he chose to just fold his arms and it says just a little sleep and a little slumber. And I think God has given us all, I call it, the message that that came, I preached from that was called own your zone. And Mm. I was making the point of this man was given a zone. And in our zone, whatever it looks like, like for you, it looks like honey and Christian and and what you're doing with Low Sister and what you're doing with your podcast. And and, and that's your zone right now. And eventually that'll grow and have other things in it. But right now that's your zone. And so you have to choose, okay, in my zone, not my friend's zone, not my mom's zone, but in my zone, I have to own this. I have to step up and own it. So what does owning it look like? It looks like getting up and taking care of what needs to be taken care of. It looks like being diligent with what's been entrusted to your hands. And I think a lot of people say, well, when I have so-and-so, when I have more money or when I have more, then I will. And I'm like, no, because the Bible tells us faithful with little, entrusted with much. So you have to start committing to a life. You know, even if you don't have a job, get up, get dressed. You know what I'm saying? Because you're beginning to teach yourself the discipline I have now will stand me in good stead for what comes later. And I think a lot of times, especially if we're not careful with young people and next generation, if we don't, if we don't teach these things, we're going to end up with a lot of dreamers, but not a lot of doers. Wow. And so you've got to learn that every dream has work, you know, tell me your dream and I'll tell you how expensive it's going to be. The Bible says before you, 
go to battle, sit down and count the cost. He's yeah. letting you know, make sure you can afford to live where you've said you want to go live. Wow. Um, and so I think a lot of times we talk about big dreams and I'm all about big dreams. We talk about go, go, you know, shoot for the stars. Absolutely. But the Bible also tells us have a big dream, but also have a plan of if yeah. you can afford that dream, because yeah. otherwise you're going to step into something that you're going to realize you have nothing in the account. You know that mm. you're overdrawn. You don't have enough patience. You don't have enough devotion. You don't have enough commitment, which then means that the thing that you set off to do never gets fully established. And I yeah. just don't want to commit to something that I don't have the deposit already in me to be able to make a withdrawal from. Wow. Come on. That's so good. I feel like so many people need to rewind three minutes and listen to that over and over and over again because it's so true. And I talk to so many girls um, often about like what their purpose is or what their dreams are. And I think that a lot of people don't realize like the work that you have to put into it. Like you said, um, I had a friend the other day talking about how she, you know, really wants to write this book. But if she's going to write this book and she's going to get a publisher, then she has to have this many followers. And so she was trying to get a, like a certain amount of followers. Followers. And I was like, friend, that's not how you have to do it. You don't yeah. have to get a certain amount of followers. You need to go out and preach your message. You need to go and like live your message. And then as you live your message, as you teach your message, as you, you know, wake up, like you said, daily and actually believe God for what he's going to do in your life, like then maybe the followers will come because people are truly inspired because lives are changing. But you don't just do something just to get a following. You don't just wake up and ask right. for a shout out because that's not going to sustain the dream that you really have. If your dream really is to do ministry and to change people's life, it looks a lot different than just waking up and having a platform. It's like actually and, daily choosing yeah. to love Jesus and love and people. The people. And the people that are out there, they'll find you. That's yeah. the thing that I think, I think we, sometimes we have a generation that are like, you know, I need the followers and, you know, I need to have a social media account that does this and I need to have, you know, an influencer mm -hmm. and I need to have, and, and, and I, I mean, I'm almost 50. I'm a few years off 50. So I've lived a, a long time doing this thing. And, and I've never bought into that belief. I just don't believe that you can sustain that. It's like mm -hmm. you're setting off trying to run before you've learned to walk. Yep. And, and the only person that's going to injure is yourself. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think about um, my son. We went to Disney World with our kids several times. But I remember my son... Um, was quite tall for his age. He's, he's now six foot two. So I should have known back then when he was three, he was going to be a tall boy. <laughs> but I remember that he was, he was stuck to me like kids are and he just wanted to ride everything I rode, but we were queuing up for the Tower of Terror. And of course, <laughs> like you don't take your three-year-old on the Tower of Terror because unless you want them to be traumatized the rest of their life. But he was insistent and I just had this brilliant brainwave. I was like, it doesn't matter because when we get there, they're going to measure him. And then when they measure him, they're going to be like, he can't ride because he's too short. So, so the Disney employee can break his shatter his dream right, instead right. of mom. That was my plan. <laughs> Great plan. Until we put him down at the measuring stick, and I forgot we mohawked his hair up. Oh, and instead no. of us squashing his hair down to measure him, she measured from the top of his artificial height no. and let him on the ride. Well, of course, when the door shut, he freaks out. It's too oh, late. No. We can't get off. He's completely traumatized. And you know what? It took him another four years when he was well able to now ride that ride to ever want to go back on it. And my point is this. Mm. There's a lot of people that have artificial height. Mm. Followers are artificial height. You know, being an influencer is artificial height. You know, a platform just gives you elevation. 
But in order to sustain a platform, you need revelation. Come on. And so, and so, so a lot of people, a lot of young people, their followers, all that, it's artificial hype. It's not real. Okay. Mm. So, so here's the thing. If you get on the roller coaster through artificial height and you're not actually ready to ride it, it's going to make you come off that high and low and up and down, traumatized. Mm. And if you'd have just waited a few more years, you'd have been the right height so that the ride would not freak you out. My son can ride something for several more years because he tried to ride it too early. Mm. So if it's a book that someone feels, I want to write it. Yeah, but don't let your artificial height cause you to write a book that then what's going to happen is you're not going to sell as many copies as you think you are. Then you're going to be disappointed. Then you're going to feel people let you down. Then you're not going to get the breakthrough you thought. And then you're not going to write anything for four more years because you're going to call yourself a failure. Wow. Instead, why don't you wait and grow so you have the real height so that when you do get on the ride of doing whatever that is, you don't come off traumatized, but you come off feeling like, okay, that was something that I knew I could handle. Wow. And that's, you know, I'm speaking a lot of youth conferences recently. And I said, I'd never speak at youth conferences or young <laughs> adults conferences. And I, and I told God, no, it's not my fit. But honestly, I've never felt it'd be more a fit than this season of my life for wow. the things I'm saying to you now. I feel like some of these young people just need a mama to say, it's okay, like slow down, like it's all going to be fine. But I think sometimes when we just listen to everybody that's our age, we egg each other on to do something that actually we're not ready to actually take the consequences of what that might look like. Very true. Come on. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. No, you don't. No, you don't. You seem like the person everybody needs to be listening to right now. I'm so like, I I love doing this podcast because like I just get to sit here and like throw (laughs) these questions at you. And whenever you hit home runs, I like get so excited. I'm like, yes, 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 say it, say it. So I could not echo or amen that anymore. That was such a beautiful analogy. I honestly would want to end there but I want to ask you one more question because I want people to leave feeling like okay like actually I have a lot of things to do and and I honestly think they already will they're gonna say I can choose to do something today they're gonna say I can dare to be I can dare to do things that might scare me they're going to look at themselves and say okay maybe I've been going off my artificial height and I just need to give it a few more years like there's so many things that you said that are so impactful that are gonna be practical things for people to walk into tomorrow One thing I want you to talk about is that just you are so well-spoken. You're so good with um, these analogies and you're so great at recalling stories from the word. And I know that's because you read the word. I mean, you you wouldn't be able to tell us all these stories about the word and think about that verse and think about that story if you didn't read it. And so what's your advice to people who are like, I want to read the word. I don't know how to start. I don't know how to get into it. How did Charlotte just quote every single Bible story that I've ever read in my life? you know, in one podcast, what's your advice for people learning to love the word? Well, I think it's, I think, I think we all fall in love with it 
in different ways, right? Like we all fall in love in the natural in different ways. There's a lot to love in the word. And so I think start with something that, that would be attractive to you. So if that's a proverb, start there. If that's a psalm, start there. Don't start in Leviticus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't start, you know, don't start somewhere where you're like, I do not love this. Well, that's because you start at a place where it's like, no, don't start there. So, so I think I'd, I'd say ease yourself in and don't judge yourself. Don't be like, well, I've been in psalms for six months. If it takes you six months to get in psalms and stay in fine you're reading the bible you know but then i would also say find people that when you listen to them they make the bible easy for you yeah so find people and then get a devotional they've written you know um and and so that they can help you get into the word until you feel like you can now begin to take steps on your own don't be frightened to say okay i'm going to order a devotional i wrote a devotional i've written one for uh, 365 days of the year i've written one for 12 you know a month at a time i've written one for i've written a gazillion but i wrote them for that very reason because people would say what you say but that just means you start with a verse the verse gets unpacked helps you know how to pray yeah so use tools to help you and then um slow down yeah. I think people go, oh, I've got to read five verses. And, you know, and it goes in one ear and out the other. And yeah. then you move on with the day. Like, like, like pick a passage and then just stay there until you feel God said something to you from it. Yeah, like a lot good. of things that I pull out of the word are from same passages that people have read a million times, but never right. found it because I think we just speed read. That's true. And, yeah. and, and, and you don't need to speed read. Like if you want to spend a whole week in the same verse and say, God, I'm just staying here. I don't know why, but I am. I'm just mm-hmm. staying here. And then, and then another thing that I do is I think some people read the Bible like, okay, God, I'm, uh, okay. Hopefully something <laughs> on this page is going to, yeah. you know, right. I think like yeah. people do all the manner of things you do. But one of the things I've found is why don't you just, what is bothering you right now? Or what is concerning you right now? And then go and look at your Bible for passages about that. It's right. Good. So, so if you're like nervous or anxious, then just do a study on anxiety in the, in the Bible and let, and then you'll begin to see it in lots of different stories you'll begin to see how Elijah was anxious you'll begin to see how Gideon was anxious you begin to see all the different parallels in scripture because now you're not looking for a scripture to read you're you're researching something that you need wisdom about so there's different ways to approach the word and then get aids to help you until you feel you've got a pattern a rhythm but just keep going just any and some days I read my Bible and like I got nothing I got that. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's okay too. That's actually really encouraging to hear you say, you know, because I think people like look at people like you and you're like, man, like every time they read their Bible, they just pull out this like gold and I'm reading and sometimes I'm just feel really sleepy or sometimes I feel really tired yeah. or sometimes I'm like, I don't quite understand it yet. And that's okay. It's part of the journey. That's it's okay. part of getting to know Jesus. And I love that you said that one thing, like my favorite way to read is also like if I I'm thinking about something, like you said, like if I'm having anxiety or if I'm about to preach a message on love, like to just deep dive into that one topic. And then you see all these people who are struggle with the same thing you struggle with, but found God in the ways that you need God in. And it's so beautiful. And also to your point about Bible studies, like I'm someone who like is writing those, but I'm someone that reads those too. Like, honestly, there are times in my life and I've recently been in this where I'm like, 
okay, where do I read? Like, I don't, I'm kind of in this, like, where do I read? But that doesn't mean I shouldn't read. That means I just need a little inspiration to read. And so I literally went over to my bookshelf the other day and picked out my Priscilla Shire Bible study. And I was like, I'll start with this one, you know? And so I'm doing the same thing. And I just want people to be encouraged by that, that like, you might look at someone like me who writes the books or someone like Charlotte and you think, oh, well, they always know what to do. They always know it's easy for them to read the Bible. And sometimes it's, it's the same journey as your own friends. And so, uh, Charlotte, I'm so excited for people to hear this podcast. You have touched on so many amazing things. You're such an inspiration, a mama, a mentor, a friend to people from afar. And we're thankful for your influence on our life. So thank you for being on the Well That's Good podcast. And I can't wait for people to soak all of this in. Well, you're a joy. You're a delight. I knew the first time I met you, our lives would be connected. And I knew that there would be something that we would do together in the future, whether it was this or other things that we've done, because I just love your heart and your purity of heart. And I see a lot of my early journey in your journey. And uh, I'm just cheering you on, girl. Just keep going and keep helping people like you are. You're a real gift. And uh, it's been a joy to hang out. It always is. (laughs) Thank you, friend. Yay. Yay.